What's going on, guys? Austin here. And in this segment, we're going to be going over the extra points midseason, midseason, quote unquote, NBA awards, right? What I like to do as far as sports go is I like to give all of my attention, at least that I can, to the sport that is most pressing. Uh, so early, early fall, it's, it's, it's all baseball right there. And then as soon as baseball season ends, then, you know, it's, it's about three, four weeks into the NFL season. And that's when I actually start taking NFL games seriously. Then it's NFL for the most part, I'll cut out base or basketball rather, uh, because pretty much as soon as the NFL season gets, uh, it gets uh, finished, then we've got the NBA all-star break, which is where I think you know, we really start paying attention to the, the seedings, the the player awards standings, things like that. You know, who's going to be, uh, you know, all NBA, who's going to win the MVP, who's going to win the defensive player of the year, things like that. Um, you got to kind of have to do hockey along the same lines as basketball. And, you know, it, everything just kind of has to fall into place. But without further ado, we're going to go down the list of every single award uh, that I could think of, at least, uh, that I could put in here. So I've got my most improved player. First of all, we're going to take a look at this. I mean, Darius Garland was a guy who wasn't expected to be the best player on his team. We thought it was going to be Colin Sexton, but Darius Garland just took that. He's a shooting guard, but he's averaging six assists a game. His stats this season, are uh, he's averaging eight assists a game, six, season, six from last year. So in basically the same amount of minutes, he's averaging three more points on really significantly better shooting, especially if you consider uh, the free throw shooting, uh, two more assists, one more rebound. And he made the all-star team in his third year, and he's poised to play a real full healthy season this year. Um, you know, there's a couple other guys that are definitely going to be on the list. I think DeMar DeRozan definitely deserves uh, some recognition. John Morant is up there. Um, DeJounte Murray out in San Antonio, but right now it's Darius Garland. He should be the favorite. And if the uh, voting happened today, I would vote for him. All right. My executive of the year is Mark Eversley in Chicago. That, I mean, this one, it's obvious. I mean, the dude, he, first of all, uh, middle to end of last season, right before the trade deadline, he made the move to get Nikola Vucevic, which didn't quite pay out the way you wanted it to, they still ended up missing the playoffs. But then this year with Vucevic and Zach Levine, he added DeMar DeRozan to a three-year $82 million deal, which now looks like a steal. He added Lonzo Ball to a four-year $80 million deal, which is a great deal. He added Alex Caruso to a four-year $37 million deal, which is an amazing deal. And he drafted, he drafted AO, uh, whatever that last name is. I'm, don't really want to try it, but I will. Dosunmu, Ayo Dosunmu, 38th overall in the NBA draft. And he's a guy that's averaging close to 10 points per game. And he's definitely putting in some, some work, you know, really affecting the team. There's a reason why they're the number one overall seed, at least tied in the Eastern Conference coming out of the All-Star break. Next on my list, I go Daryl Morey in Philadelphia, Kobe Altman in Cleveland, who just got promoted to president of basketball operations from general manager, Sam Presti out in Oklahoma City for basically just setting up his franchise to, you know, potentially be the number one contender for the next decade. 
and Pat Riley just for, you know, managing the right players. He seems to always keep the right players and always let the, let, let the right players go. Don't know how to say it. They haven't done much as far as big splashes uh, since making the finals, but they did make a move to get Kyle Lowry after Goran Dragic uh, left the team. And it absolutely has made a difference uh, as far as their winning. I mean, they're number one tied with the Chicago Bulls in the East. My coach of the year is Monty Williams. This one uh, should pretty much be obvious. I mean, the Suns are 48 and 10, which I believe the next the next highest win total is the Golden State Warriors. And they're at like 41 and like 16 or something like that. Like they're so far behind uh, the Suns. And, you know, with Chris Paul going down, we'll see what Monty Williams can do with this Phoenix Suns team without him for likely the next four to six weeks. Um, but he's got eight players averaging 10 points per game, which is just a fantastic level of depth. They are fourth in total points scored. They're fifth in total assists. They're second in total rebounds. And they have the sixth fewest turnovers, all while having the third best defensive rating. Just, I mean, unbelievable stats on both sides. There's there's no surprise that they're on their way to win 65 games. It's not impossible. I mean, it's it's right there. Um, up next on the list would be Eric Spolstra in Miami for really, I mean, just taking, I wouldn't say an undermanned team, but just an averagely good team, you know, to such a far position. They're number one out in the East, like we've said. Uh, we've got Billy Donovan in Chicago, who just done an excellent job of really just, you know, bringing all these pieces together. There's Glenn Rivers, and I call him Glenn Rivers because as soon as he got to Philadelphia, he said, there's only one doc here, call me Glenn. So Glenn Rivers in Philadelphia has done an excellent job managing uh, the chaos around that organization and keeping Joel Embiid uh, interested and you know active because he's a guy who's, I'm not going to say he's checked out, but he's definitely not always been his best uh, from the start to the end of a, of a season. And Taylor Jenkins in uh, Memphis, who's just done an absolute amazing defensive job uh, around that team. That team, I believe, is like 10 and 2 without John Morant playing, which is a really, really good record uh, without your best player. And so he has to get some consideration on this list as well. My rookie of the year is going to be Cade Cunningham. Now, I might be a little biased, but I don't care because he's the best player. He was drafted first overall for a reason. I remember. Going into the season, everyone was talking about Jalen Green, Jalen Green, Jalen Green. And now all of a sudden, he's nowhere to be seen on this list, partly because some of these other guys have been better than we expected and partly because, well, you know, maybe people are just wrong sometimes and they likely were. Right. So Cade had a slow Cade had a slow start to the season because he was injured. Uh, he had, you know small little ankle issue, nothing like that's going to be career hampering or anything like that. Uh, but, you know, the Pistons definitely wanted to take it light with him to start the season, and they did. And so far it's worked. In only 32 minutes, he's averaging 15 points on 40, 33, 86 shooting, which isn't, you know, ex you know especially fantastic, but he is the number one focus of the defense every single night that he's on the floor because the Pistons – have a lot of defensive players and Cade Cunningham, but he's also averaging on top of his nearly 16 points, 5.2 assists and 5.5 rebounds, you know, for a, a guard 
who is just, you know, really out there doing everything. Next up, uh, there's Evan Mobley on the Cavs. He's doing fantastic. Scotty Barnes, Josh Giddy, and Franz Wagner. I mean, all of these guys, uh, Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes are pretty much putting up the same stat line. I think it's like, I think it's like 17 or 16, uh, five and five, basically about there. One of those guys might be like five and two or something like that, but they're all putting up pretty much the same stats and it looks really good. Uh, but those guys are on better teams with better players around them. So it's, you know, it's a little bit easier to, you know, take some of the pressure off them, give them free shots, what you'd call it. My sixth man of the year is Tyler Hero. Man's out there snatching souls, put up the snarl from that uh, NBA finals moment. It was, or that wasn't the NBA finals. No, that was the Eastern Conference finals, wasn't it? It was a fantastic moment. Uh, People forget this kid is only in his third year in the NBA. It feels like he's been around for forever, but really he's like, he's like 23 years old or 22 years old, maybe even. Uh, Cause I believe he was 19 when he started in the NBA finals one, two, three years ago. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if he was only, if he was only 22 years old, but uh, six man of the year, he's averaging 32 minutes, which I mean, there's mo- most starters are around that. Um, but you know, the six man of the year normally plays more minutes because he's a good player, but in 32 minutes, he's averaging 20 points on 43, 35, 88 shooting, uh, which is just 50 effective field goal percentage, which is exactly where you'd want your, you know, a good player to be. Uh, but he's averaging four assists and 4.8 rebounds, both of which are really good for a shooting guard. Uh, up next on the list would be Kevin Love, who's just adding some amazing veteran uh, a veteran presence to this Cavs team that's just got a lot of young players that are really just overplaying themselves. Kevin Love seems to be the adult in the room that's making sure everybody's on track. Uh, you've got Buddy Heald, Montrez Harrell, who, you know, he has a six-man of the year award, and Kelly Oubre Jr. All these guys are doing pretty good things. I don't know who's the betting favorite right now. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if it was Tyler Hero because he is so much – uh, so much ahead of this neck of my next guy, Kevin Love, but it'll be an interesting race to see come the end of the season. Defensive player of the year. It was really hard for me to go back and forth between Rudy Gobert and Draymond Green, but the difference for me was the difference between the records when Draymond Green is on versus off the court. The Golden State Warriors are, I believe, like 13 and 10 when he doesn't play. So uh, you know, I mean, he's had he's had some injury concerns. He's been banged up a little bit this year that I mean, he's missed 20, 23 games. Uh, but in those 23 games, they have 10 of their like 16 losses, uh, which basically means that they're uh, just above a 500 team when he doesn't play. And, you know, some of that has to do with his with his passing, with his ball handling and his leadership. But we all know that it mostly has to do with his defense. He's averaging 6.4 defensive rebounds per game, 1.4 steals, 2.4 blocks. Most of the time, he's always and he always end up guarding the best opposing player unless they're a true center or a true point guard. Uh, and he's allowing 41.5% shooting from the floor, which is really good. I mean, you know, most teams average about 49, 48% shooting uh, from the field just as a team because you've got, you know, the star players, you know, shooting like, you know, 55, 56%, you know, wherever. Um, and most of his shots are, you know, inside the paint that he's guarding. So that that's an even better number than we realize. But Rudy Gobert, uh, who is just absolutely the best defensive center in the league, Jaron Jackson Jr., Giannis, we all know what he can do. And Jared Allen, who is the probably the second best defensive center in the league. 
um, at least with Miles Turner not being, uh, you know, fully himself or right now not being in the league, not being healthy, at least Jared Allen is absolutely a monster in the paint. And my MVP, this may be somewhat controversial. It's DeMar DeRozan. No disrespect to Joel Embiid, but right now I believe the Philadelphia 76ers are the five seed. And if you are going to be the five seed and win MVP, you have to do something historic, right? So if, you, if you're the five seed and you want to win MVP, you have to average, you know, 40 points a game and, you know, a 40-point double-double. If you're Russell Westbrook, you're going to have to average a triple-double. You know, you, you don't win the MVP with the fifth seed. I mean, maybe if you're a lottery team and your team trades away the number one overall pick for you, no roster moves, you show up, you take them to the fifth seed, you know, maybe some extenuating circumstances, but you have to do something fantastic. And so a lot of people's favorite for MVP, Joel Embiid, I cannot in good conscience put him there because despite all that they've done and all the chaos that's been surrounding that organization, they're still not you know, the number one, the number two, the number three seed, they would start the playoffs on the road. But that being said, I don't want to harp on Joel Embiid too much because this section is about DeMar DeRozan and how fantastic he's been. They're tied for the first seed in the East, which is something that nobody could have seen coming after missing the playoffs last year, right? He was the biggest free agent acquisition uh, for it was a sign and trade, but it, he was the biggest free agent acquisition for this Bulls team. I know they added Lonzo, and I know they added Caruso, and I know they drafted Ao, but Demar is right now he's the best player of those three, and his stats are just ridiculous. I mean, would it be too far to say that he's having the best season a Chicago Bulls shooting guard has ever had? It absolutely would be too far to say, but that's not the point. He's averaging twenty eight points. On 52% from the field, 34% from three, which if you guys know DeMar DeRozan, he has been a terrible three-point shooter for his career, right? I think he's a 28% three-point shooter for his career. This season, he's just going bananas, 34% from three, 87% from the free throw line, which is good enough for a 53% effective field goal rating. He's averaging 5.1 assists and only 2.3 turnovers and Again, shooting guard, not a passer. Those are some really good numbers. And 5.2 rebounds, which is good for a guy who's, I believe, 6'4 or 6'5. Up next, like I said, it would be Joel Embiid. After him would be Chris Paul. Now, with the Chris Paul injury, he's likely going to get knocked down on this list. If the in the event that he misses you know, a smaller amount of time than we thought, and the Suns are terrible, and he comes back, and the Suns are fantastic again, and they still end up with the, you know, the number one overall seed, then we could revisit this conversation. And Chris Paul may be the MVP again, like Chris Paul was the MVP last year. Uh, now, after this is Luka Doncic. I have Luka Doncic at four. He's putting up some amazing numbers on what I would consider to be a bad team. But the reason he can't be higher is because I believe he's the fifth seed. I don't, I didn't check the standings right before this uh, ranking for Luka, but you just, you can't do it. The only reason Joel is above him is because Joel is also a fantastic defender, right? And then Jimmy Butler at five, who is just the best player on the best team in the Eastern Conference. That one is pretty self-explanatory. All right, guys, let me know what you think of my rankings. Where would you put, you know, the MVP? Who's your MVP? Who's your defensive player of the year? Who do you think is the executive of the year? Who's your most improved player? You know, if, if I had to throw in an extra category, it'd probably be most disappointing player. 
most disappointing team. That'd be Jason, Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics. You know, what, what is going on with them? Who knows? But anyway, let me know what you think. Be sure to like, subscribe, and stay up to date on all of our future content.